It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is A Closer Look with Arthur Levitt. Arthur Levitt is a former chairman of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, a Bloomberg LP board member, a senior advisor to the Promontory Financial Group, and a policy advisor to Goldman Sachs. This is A Closer Look at founder, chairman, and CEO of Circle, Jeremy Allaire. He saw the possibilities of the Internet while still in school, and founded his first company with his brother called Allaire, an early pioneer in the web platform market that he eventually took public. He then created Brightcove, an online video platform used by media organizations worldwide that he also took public in 2012. The following year, he saw the future of money and founded Circle, a consumer internet company whose stated mission is to make it possible for anyone, anywhere, to help change the global economy. He joins me now for a closer look. Jeremy, you've said that your original interest in the internet was from around 1990 when you saw a decentralized network could disintermediate governments and media companies. You don't have a degree in engineering or business, but political science. So how did you wind up in technology? Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, I, I started tinkering with technology uh, when I was young. Uh, I was sort of one of these, you know, kids that was lucky that we had an Apple II in our house in the 1980s. But it really was in, in, uh, in 1990 when I was in college that um, I, I was also lucky in that I got access to an inter a high-speed internet connection in my dorm room. Um, and you know, it was just a transformative experience to connect to this open decentralized network and where information and communications could move freely. Um, it was obviously not the internet we know today, but the fundamental, the kind of fundamental model of this open global permissionless network was there and it was very self-evident to me and so that inspired me to learn as much as i can about the technology which which i did uh in the ensuing years in 2013 you co-founded circle which started first as a consumer finance company using the blockchain technology what exactly is circle pay and how has it changed since it debuted in 2013 yeah, so when we started the company in, in 2013, um, we had been very excited about and inspired by cryptocurrency and by what it uh, suggested to us about what the future of the global financial system would look like. And having watched the prior 20 years, 
where decentralized open networks transformed how the information industries worked, how information broadly could be exchanged and utilized globally. We saw something very similar happening in the world of finance and money. We wanted to build out a, a new kind of global financial institution, but build it all on top of the kind of cryptocurrency infrastructure and, um, and, and really, you know, continue, are, are continuing to pursue that. When we started, you know, building the first pieces of our platform in 2013 and 2014, the technology was pretty limited then. You really just had Bitcoin and, uh, a lot of these things that we wanted to do eventually, uh, like represent more elaborate forms of financial assets, uh, create contracts around those assets, those were things that were conceptually uh, possible, but no one had really implemented the technology for them. So when we started, we really just started with how could we create an experience for people to be able to pay anyone anywhere and exchange value with anyone anywhere in the same way that we can exchange content instantly, globally, frictionlessly, um, and, and without cost. And we've, we did that initially by building on top of the Bitcoin network. And we did that with dollars and euros and pounds uh, as the starting currencies. Um, and that's obviously evolved. Uh, the, the product still allows people to make those kind of frictionless instant payments between people. Um, but uh, the technology, instead of Bitcoin, we've been moving our own architecture to what are called stable coins or taking traditional government-issued money, fiat money, and tokenizing it and allowing dollars and other currencies to actually be cryptocurrencies and work with the same benefits of cryptocurrency uh, as well. How does the company uh, differ from PayPal or Venmo? How is Circle different? Well, so there, there's a lot of different pieces to what we do as a company. Um, and actually, one of the most important things to understand is that um, kind of payment as a utility, we actually don't think there's a business model in payments. We think that payments will go to zero uh, in the same way that, um, you know, sharing information is just a free service on the Internet or communicating with video is a free service on the internet. Publishing your opinion globally to anyone is a free service on the internet. We think that uh, technology, a combination of things, mobile computing, cloud computing, blockchains, cryptocurrency, and AI, uh, will get us to a place where basically exchanging value with anyone, whether you're a person or a business, is just gonna be a commodity free service. So one really critical difference is uh, companies like PayPal, um, their core business model is charging a fee for facilitating payments, payments between people or payments from people to businesses. We just don't think there's uh, a business there. So that, that's one really critical difference. Um, and so everything we do there is a free service and therefore it's not actually a source of revenue for us. The, the other though is that, you know, Circle has a suite of services. Do you regard the company blockchain as a competitor? No, we don't really see blockchain as a competitor. Um, I think um, you know, they have a wallet product um, that I think has some success uh, for people who hold Bitcoin or Ethereum, um, but they don't really compete in a lot of the other places where we operate. So um, they don't run an exchange platform. They don't run a – we also run an over-the-counter trading service, which is one of the largest in the world. That's not a space where, where they're competing or 
stable coins or um, and certainly uh, being a, a platform for issuing securities and helping companies raise capital over the internet that those those aren't businesses that they're in. I think there might be some limited amount of overlap um, in the wallet space, um, but that's pretty limited. Are you looking to get a banking license? Um, so Circle uh, today is one of the most licensed and regulated crypto companies in the world. Uh, we have money transmission licenses from uh, every state where we require them. We're the first company in the world to receive a New York bit license for digital currency business activity in the state of New York. We have an e-money issuer license throughout the UK and EU. And then, of course, recently the broker-dealer license. Um, our general philosophy is if there's a activity in our business that requires a license, then we'll, of course, pursue that. Um, a banking license, um, you know, there's certain activities that you can perform within the regulated banking sector, uh, you know, taking deposits and rehypothecating those deposits is obviously one of those activities. Uh, you know, certainly there are others as well. Those are not businesses that we're currently in, um, but I can see in the future areas that might require us to have a banking license, and that's something that will you know, closely evaluate, uh, in particular, as as governments try and come up with new types of charters for financial institutions that are more technology driven. And I think in particular, we're quite interested in when central banks and national banking regulators and to some degree securities regulators embrace crypto native finance and what that looks like and figure out what the right kind of licensing and supervision scheme is for these types of businesses, which, as I like to say, uh, it's a bit of a square peg round hole problem. About a year ago, you launched Circle Invest. What is this and what currencies are available for investment? Circle Invest uh, is a product that allows customers in the United States to very easily invest in one or more uh, digital assets. Um, what we tried to do with that product is create an experience which was really for an investor who hadn't yet been active in the cryptocurrency space, who wanted a simple, trustworthy, easy-to-use service where they could, in a few taps on their phone, connect their bank account, uh, invest, you know, uh, instantly up to $10,000 with very attractive pricing and invest uh, in, you know, the, the top digital assets. So today, uh, Circle Invest includes support for, I think, around 12 different uh, crypto assets. Uh, that includes major, you know, names like Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, but it also includes, um, you know, other, I think, really interesting uh, digital assets like Stellar or EOS, um, privacy coins like Zcash and Monero, uh, as well as, you know, tokens that are interesting for the utility that they provide to people, uh, but which people have, have sought out and purchased like Zero X and the basic attention token. So it's really tried to make it simple for people to get involved in investing. Um, uniquely, we created features that are really straightforward for investors, such as buy the market, where you could just essentially 
buy uh, based on a market cap weighted factor, uh, all the different assets in the markets that we offer, or buy by category. Say you're interested in cryptocurrencies that are focused on payments. You could buy and invest in payment uh, digital assets, or say you're interested in digital currencies that are focused on privacy. You could sort of invest in the privacy assets. So we've, again, tried to make it really simple, seamless, and it has a lot of built-in educational content that's really written for someone who's new to these markets. Uh, and so, so it's, you know, it's a very user-friendly uh, product. It's very, very well rated. Um, and so if, if you're new to this space or new to investing in this space, it's a great way to start. Last year, you acquired Poloniex, an exchange that apparently needed help. And I've read that your long-term mission is to build a multi-sided marketplace where anyone can build tokenized assets. Tell me about that. Why did you want Poloniex? Sure. So when, you know, when we look at, you know, cryptocurrency technology and digital currency technology, um, what we really see is essentially a new infrastructure layer for the Internet that allows us to build applications that center around value exchange. Sort of the first wave of the internet was really around building applications around kind of information exchange, data exchange, et cetera. But the sort of missing layer has been how, how can people and people and businesses safely interact in financial arrangements actually you know, over the internet and mediated over the internet and um, you know, in, in, in 2017, a phenomenon happened that everyone, you know, saw and took notice of, which was this whole idea of initial coin offerings or ICOs. And all of a sudden you had, you know, basically anyone with a white paper uh, launching a token, raising capital. And of course, everyone could see that there were huge problems with that. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. You recently launched Circle Research. What's the purpose of that? Yeah, so uh, our, you know, our business serves um, both retail and institutional customers. And Circle Trade, which is entirely institutional, you know, provides, uh, you know, trading and market making services to, um, you know, hedge funds, uh, crypto funds, you know, industry, um, investors, uh, family offices, you know, all these types of, of folks. And what you find is in this, in this area of, of digital currency and digital assets, there's an incredible amount of detail behind all these different projects and technologies. And we really saw the need for really high quality technical industry and market research that we could create um, and offer for, as a free service. So anyone in the world can sign up at circle.com slash research. But really, you know, trying to provide, you know, unbiased, very high quality information on 
major themes and categories in this space. It's part of the maturation of this from a kind of early adopter retail speculator market and into a more mature institutional market where there's serious research done around all the different types of assets that exist. And so that really was at the core and that's done really well. It continues to grow the subscriber base uh, every week and would encourage anyone who's interested in in-depth research in this you know, crypto asset world to, uh, to you know, sign up for free at circle.com slash research. You've developed a, a dollar-pegged stable coin called USD coin. What is a stable coin, and what's the purpose of the USDC for your business? At the core, um, you know, we, we see this, this new infrastructure that exists for, uh, you know, financial applications on the Internet built on blockchains. So many different financial applications you know, they need a price-stable currency to really function. So if you want to make a payment, obviously the, the, the sender or recipient of the payment ideally would like that payment in a price-stable asset. If you're um, investing in something or maybe even, say, you're borrowing capital or you're, or you're lending capital, you, you really want to have that in a price-stable currency. And the leading cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin – are highly volatile because they're really designed to be more like a scarce commodity like gold, which is inherently going to have volatile pricing. But we happen to live in a world where there are quite a few, uh, you know, central bank currencies that have a wide, wide adoption and have price stability as a really core attribute, U.S. dollar being paramount amongst those. So what we really wanted to do is bring the technological benefits of these public blockchain networks and marry those with the you know, price stability, liquidity, and banking system connectivity that comes along with the U.S. dollar. So rather than try and do that by ourselves, we created a new technical standard. It's an open standard. It's all published as open source software. And we created a new membership-based consortium called Center. And we co-founded that with one of the other leading companies in the crypto industry, Coinbase, and uh, have, have now launched this. And U.S. dollar coin is unique in that it is a standard that multiple issuers can implement. So if you tokenize dollars from your bank account through Circle and you have these dollar tokens, you can use them on the Internet. Someone might receive them if they want to then redeem those for dollars in, in a bank account through Coinbase, they can go ahead and do that. So it creates a kind of open scheme where you have interoperable and fungible dollar tokens. The really important thing here, though, is that what this allows is it allows you to take the power of a dollar, which is, you know, a, 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 a trust, trustworthy, you know, sovereign credit risk, essentially, and liquidity, and marry that with the technological innovation of cryptocurrency. So you can now take a dollar and transmit it to any internet-connected device or person in the world in seconds with settlement finality, in minutes with very high levels of security, and with a tiny, tiny cost, which is in the, in the pennies today, which uh, in the next you know, year or two will approach zero in terms of cost. And that's really powerful. That's just never been possible before. So we're seeing the introduction of these stable coins like U.S. dollar coin, really marrying 
um, the you know real world money with the the global financial system. And the, the last comment here is just once you have that in place, you can now create investment contracts that utilize those dollar coins. Canadian regulators made several proposals for crypto trading platforms, including requiring registration as an investment dealer and requiring insurance to protect investor assets. Do you think these make sense? Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, we do. I think um, if, if you're running a, a real dealing or, or, or running a, a markets exchange business, there, there does need to be registration. You need to know who's running those businesses. You need the assurances of, of the fiduciaries. You need, um, you know, robust custody solutions that are insured as well. And that's a very, you know, a new phenomenon. Securing all these different cryptographic keys is, is different than custodying stock or, or other historical types of financial instruments. Um, and you need market surveillance uh, you know, to focus on things like market manipulation, you need KYC AML programs and counter, you know, terrorist financing programs. So you, you really you need regimes that, uh, you know, protect consumers, protect markets and protect society. And so what form those take? Is that a single uh, regulator at a national level? Right now in the U.S., it's a patchwork of, of state regulators with some supervision from folks like CFTC on certain issues with emerging forms of supervision potentially from the SEC. So it really varies by country. Japan, for example, has a single framework. They've just been updating it, and it, and it looks like a, a, a brokerage-type license, and it has custody requirements and collateral requirements and many of the things that you'd expect. And I think you can expect to see those kinds of frameworks rolled out all around the world. And in fact, there are smaller countries that are racing ahead of larger countries, uh, companies, you know, countries like Bermuda, which has one of the most comprehensive crypto regulatory frameworks with a single supervisor. I think you're seeing proposals from the UK, France, other larger jurisdictions as well. Right here in the United States, SEC Chair Clayton has warned that what investors expect is that trading in the commodity that underlies an ETF makes sense and is free from the risk of manipulation. It's an issue that needs to be addressed before I am comfortable. Now, what kind of regulation do you think would make the SEC comfortable? Yeah, you know, I think um, the ETF question is one that has vexed a lot of people for a long time. I think the market manipulation issue is is one that people are focused on. I'm not an expert here in terms of you know the the right way to think about risk in terms of uh, exposure for investors. I do think some of the ETF proposals are 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 very well thought out in that they're you know they're targeting ETFs at accredited investors, not at the average person. So clearly individuals who are better able to make risk decisions. Um, I think also we are seeing um, a real stratification between kind of the, the regulated trustworthy exchange platforms and the, you know, kind of offshore folks who aren't really playing by the rules. And um, 
I think uh, we still nonetheless see, you know, I think real real market pricing taking place for these commodity assets. And we're seeing that reflected in mature infrastructure such as futures and derivatives uh, that are also in regulated contexts. And so I think a lot of the market infrastructure is there. I think there is this stratification of regulated exchange entities. Uh, and I think all of that adds up to being – I think ultimately should be sufficient for uh, ETF product in the space. Are you comfortable with the SEC's approach? Well, so on the ETF question, that's one thing. I think the other area is really around, you know, how do you classify all of these different types of digital assets? And I think um, the SEC staff guidance has been, we think, maybe too overreaching. Uh, in terms of defining what is a, uh, an investment contract uh, versus, you know, what is a, a commodity or utility. And, um, and I think there needs to be evolution there. And that may need to come through new rulemaking. That may need to come through acts of Congress. Uh, but I, I really think we're dealing with, you know, these, these crypto assets can take on many different forms. They can begin their life as an investment contract. They can evolve into being commodities as they become used and, and decentralized. But you also may have crypto assets that, you know, have features that very much are like securities, but also features that very much are utilitarian and consumable by end user consumers and features that make them look like payment currencies. And you can have crypto assets that have all three of those. And that's just a new phenomenon. It hasn't existed before. The, the custody requirements, the market structure requirements, the accounting treatment, all these things are brand new and haven't been faced before. And so just a, attempting to say, hey, this, this looks like, you know, the Howey test um, isn't necessarily going to allow the innovation to flourish. Uh, I think one of the really critical things here is we're seeing this new layer of the internet be built, and we want to allow entrepreneurs um, and technology creators and computer scientists to really innovate on what is inherently immediately and instantly global technology. This is a closer look at technologist and internet entrepreneur Jeremy Allaire, currently CEO of crypto finance company Circle. He has more than two decades of experience building and leading global internet software platforms and online service companies. In 2013, he co-founded global crypto finance company Circle because he says money should work like the internet, be open, secure, free, and everywhere. And he aims to transform global economies with a simple, less costly technology for storing and using money. Jeremy Allaire, thanks for joining us. By the way, if you have comments about the show or suggestions for topics, please email me at a closer look at Bloomberg.net. That's a closer look, one word, at Bloomberg.net. And follow me on Twitter, at Arthur Levitt, one word. This is A Closer Look with Arthur Levitt.
The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.